I got to tell you, to sit in this seat in the moments before this program takes to the air are the most exciting moments in radio, and certainly in my life. I, my heartbeat is... I, I got to check my own pulse. Here. Right. Yeah, I think I'm way over the limit. We, we should have some sort of a, uh, you know, a kind of a podcast <laughs> of what happened. No, we shouldn't. No, no, no. Free roundtable really- podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Does the FCC still limit? stuff on podcasts or is that <laughs> outside their umbrella all the rules have been thrown off of that now. anyway i think maybe we can find one of those uh, you know the heart paddles and mount that on the wall here in the studio defibrillator might help us out a little bit uh welcome to midday on the rural radio network as we check in for some uh, exciting news in fact we've got some scoop scoop just down the road here first of all we're going to go to divots in pivots with joe gangwish did someone say ice cream I heard scoop, and I automatically thought ice cream. His focus is gone now. So, all right, for your first uh, defib portion, clear. Uh, Divots in your pivots. That was the Upper Big Blue Natural Resources District Regional Conservation Partnership Program, and they unveiled that today. Susan was over that direction near Giltner. She'll have an update for us in Ag News at 12-13. Secretary Sonny Perdue, he's going to tour the Houston area impacted by Hurricane Harvey. And also several states continuing to grapple with the dicamba drift investigations and what their solutions will be to the dicamba question. That's in Ag News. At 12:19, Dave Schroeder from the illustrious news department here. He'll visit with uh, Tom Downey of Downey Drilling here in Lexington. They've got new facilities, so they'll yeah. visit about that. Uh, newsmaker segment today, I'll talk to Jessica Groskopf, a regional economist for the University of Nebraska's Panhandle Research and Extension Center. Talk to her at Husker Harvest Days, a little bit about grain marketing and also using uh, crop insurance as a risk management tool. She's an expert on that. We'll have her at 1245. And at 117, uh, Susan is back with us. There's a Friday seminar in Lincoln talk about the importance of what those in agriculture need to know when you employ someone outside the family and uh, she will have a visit with that at 117 thank you joe appreciate it very much you know you have to earn the nicknames around here and so ladies and gentlemen let me introduce scoop jorgensen <laughs> well i don't know about that but it's good, it's good well, once, like it. it's once good. in a while it's got a good ring to it Yo, you're up front on something. Hit us. Uh, kind of big news. Um, new conference for Lexington High School. They were voted into the Central Conference this week. Look at that. And, of course, uh, that's a statewide story because we continue to see a few changes here with high school sports, and this was a big one. Lexington had been a part of the Great Nebraska Athletic Conference since the mid-1990s. But once Carney and Norfolk left that league, the stability of it, wasn't all that great. So uh, we'll hear from Lexington Athletic Director Phil Trex coming up in sports. Also, we'll talk some Major League Baseball action. New home run record for the league was set last night by Alex Gordon, of all people, who had a terrible season. It was just his eighth home run. Like he even said, he goes, go figure it'd be me to hit it. (laughs) So we'll touch that, and we'll hear from one of the Husker senior leaders in football. We'll do it. Okay. And then with business today, Scott? U.S. stock indexes were uh, mostly higher on midday trading, and the Federal Reserve's latest economic and interest rate policy update is all part of that. Industry companies, including airlines, and, and were gainers. Well, uh, tech stocks went down a little bit. Also, Bed Bath & Beyond plunged 15%. I guess people uh, don't, you know, don't mind smelling a bath. little bit more in this economy. Bath, plunge, it all makes it sense. It all makes yeah. sense. Thank you, Mr. Foster. And it's all coming up for you today on Midday. 
Let's bring in Paul Perkins here, talk a little weather, and here we are on the downslope of that uh, that roller coaster again. Yeah, it's uh, going down for today, but just towards seasonal levels, just a great day right now across the area. Some mid-tepper 60s in much of west and central and northeast Nebraska, and mid-60s to around 70s. You head into northwest and north-central yeah. Kansas. Got ushered in by some pretty strong winds last night, though. Yeah, I didn't hear it, but I, I noticed a few things blown over this morning <laughs> yeah, <there laughs> when were. I woke up. <laughs> Absolutely, and this is brought to you by Coleman Repair, and here's Paul. That cool air still hasn't quite arrived to far southeast Nebraska and eastern Kansas. We're still at 82 and the southeast corner of Falls City and upwards of 85 towards Topeka, and it's already 90 in portions of central Missouri as the cold air continues to push towards the southeast. We are going to be cooler today with those more seasonal temperatures behind the passage of a cold front. High pressure moves in overhead for tonight. That'll keep it quiet, but that area of high pressure also sliding towards the east tonight, and that'll flip our winds back to the south. Warm to hot temperatures and breezy conditions. They're back for tomorrow and Friday as that front that moved through last night. It moves back to the north as a warm front, and we see low pressure continuing to strengthen and develop to our west. Near critical fire conditions for tomorrow are possible in southwest locations. That's where the air will be drier. The stronger winds will keep our temperatures on the warm side tomorrow night. And we could, by Friday morning, see some record warm morning lows. Since many locations aren't even expected to cool much below 70 by Friday morning. And yes, this is the mid to late part of September. Low pressure will slowly move to the east late Friday through Sunday. Thunderstorm chances start to show up for Friday. Then the increase to likely chances Saturday through Sunday night. A few showers could still linger into late Monday before it starts to clear out by Tuesday. And due to the slow passage of the system, heavy rain totals are possible. And we could see rain totals as high as 3 to 5 inches in many locations. Those daytime temperatures behind this area of low pressure and a cold front expected to cool to the 60s for early next week. Those cooler temperatures look to stick around for a while. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures are forecast to be cooler than normal Monday through the first three days of October. Above normal rainfall expected for Nebraska and Kansas from Monday through October 3rd. Those better chances of seeing above normal rainfall, though, are early on next week. Weather factors driving the markets today include favorable weather for the Midwest and beneficial rain for the red winter wheat belt. High temperatures should again approach or reach 100 across portions of the Southern Plains today. Several locations in Kansas yesterday reached that triple-digit mark. The heat across the Southern Plains going to contrast with cool air continuing to spread across the Northern High Plains. A series of cold fronts will push towards the Eastern U.S. through the end of the week. Heavy rain expected to develop from the Southern High Plains on into the upper Midwest as the week progresses. Five-day rain totals could reach about two to five inches from eastern New Mexico to Minnesota. And once again, that does include much of Nebraska and Kansas with those high rainfall totals. The rain will cause disruptions to an early harvest that's underway in the western Midwest, but also help to recharge the soil moisture in areas that have been dry. No damaging cold weather is forecast to hit the Midwest or the Northern Plains the next seven days. Earlier we were thinking maybe some frost or a light freeze in the Northern Plains. That looks to stay away for a while. 
Off and on rains are disrupting the harvest currently underway in the northern plains. Most of the rain towards the weekend will be centered towards eastern South Dakota and Minnesota. The upcoming moderate to heavy rain across the southern plains will look to benefit the planted and emerging winter wheat in the next seven days. That rain is needed in Brazil for soybean planting in northern Mato Grosso. It's expected to remain dry the next seven days, but a chance of rain may develop beyond that. All right, and uh, brought to you by Coolman Repair, our uh, ag weather here in the midday. Um, so uh, I guess all straight ahead here as we get into the weekend, but a lot of rain is likely by the time we get to the end of it. Exactly, yeah. Probably Saturday through Sunday night, especially in west and central areas. The rain, in case you are going to the Husker game Saturday, I did take a, te- a peek towards that. It looks like just a slight chance of rain for the afternoon in Lincoln. So don't let the rain scare you away from the Husker game. All right. <laughs> we won't do that. And they call the, I need to ask you, they call the wind Maria in this case because it's coming up the Lesser Antilles up toward uh, those hurricane paths once again. Is that a concern for the South? No, uh, it looks like uh, the hurricane going to be missing the mainland U.S., at least Hurricane Maria. Maria is going to miss the mainland. It's going to start curving to the northeast. And also Hurricane Jose also missing the east coast right now. Well, that's all great news. And when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Dicamba question continues. Here's a look at Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. The Environmental Protection Agency is already taking a serious look at dicamba use for the 2018 growing season. Let's get an update from Shaley Peters. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is aiming to allow farmers to spray the controversial weed killer dicamba next year, but with additional rules for its use. An official with the agency said yesterday, Ruben Barris, acting chief of the herbicide branch of the Environmental Environmental Protection Agency's Office of Pesticide Programs said the agency had not yet determined what steps it would take to mitigate problems associated with dicamba. The herbicide was linked to widespread crop damage this summer. The EPA has been discussing with state regulators ways to prevent such crop damage. Barris told a meeting of state regulatory officials in Washington, D.C. that the agency was very concerned with what has occurred and transpired in 2017. We're committed to taking appropriate action for the 2018 growing season with an eye towards ensuring that the technology is available, number one, to growers, but that it is used responsibly, he said. The EPA is in negotiations with Monsanto and BASF, which sell the Canva herbicides under different brands to make changes regarding how they are used. That's Shaley Peters with that report. Well, the National Corn Growers Association praised the introduction today of the CREATE Act, That's a bill to increase investment in two federal programs with a proven track record of building global demand for U.S. ag products. The bipartisan bill would increase investment in the Market Access Program, or MAP program, and Foreign Market Development Program. A companion bill was introduced in the House earlier this year. MAP and FMD are public-private partnerships that promote U.S. ag. Uh, Together, they are responsible for 15% of U.S. agricultural export revenue, $309 billion since 1977. Wesley Spurlock, Texas farmer and president of the National Corn Growers, said MAP and FMD are critical programs for building and expanding global markets for American ag exports. He says we must increase investment in these programs. Well, making the land benefit from both the producer and the wildlife so they can come together here in central Nebraska. Let's get an update from Susan Littlefield. Imagine, if you will, taking an unproductive piece of land and turning it into a wildlife habitat. 
That's what we got to see firsthand at the Marsh Farms in South Central Nebraska today. As a regional conservation partnership program came together to showcase how you can take that land and make it more profitable for wildlife. Andy Bishop is a Rainwater Basin Joint Venture Coordinator. Well, the Rainwater Basin Joint Venture is a public-private partnership, and what we've found is that everyone has different goals and objectives, and by coming together, we can get more done than any single entity can do. And today is a prime example of that. We've got our corporate partners, CropMetrics, Lindsay, Reinke, and Valley. We'll have representatives here today. They've all committed $100,000 to help implement this regional conservation partnership program. We we'll also have Ducks Unlimited, who secured a million-dollar grant from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's North American Wetland Conservation Act. And then the Nebraska Association of Resources District acquired a $625,000 grant from the Nebraska Environmental Trust. It will all be leveraged to help implement uh, the whole field solutions that this this RCPP, or Regional Conservation Partnership Program, will implement. At the Marsh Farms in south-central Nebraska, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And animal welfare groups calling on USDA to deny U.S. meat companies' request to run chicken processing plants faster. It said that could lead to a more inhumane treatment of animals on the processing line. That's Ag News. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. I'm visiting with Tom Downey. Tom is president and CEO of Downey Drilling in Lexington. And Tom, give us a little bit of a background of uh, Downey Drilling's history with Lexington here. Well, we came to Lexington in 2005. <clears throat> We'd uh, been approached by vendors and manufacturers to take a look at lease drilling. They saw a need to continue the drilling business here in Lexington and and uh, the stars lined up and we landed here on May 15, 2005. Tell me about what Downey Drilling does. It's a wide array of services. Right, Downey Drilling what we do primarily is for the uh, agricultural industry, water wells for uh, for the farmers of central Nebraska, actually all of Nebraska and, and the other states we operate in is the big part of our business and our core. But we also do uh, wells for municipalities, towns, villages. We do feedlots, hog, livestock facilities. We also do, do uh, dewatering for uh, utility interests in, in cities. We also do uh, feedlot wastewater systems and those types of things that recover wastewater and reuse the water through pivots and irrigate and apply it to the farms around those feedlots and, and livestock facilities as well. Uh, Downey Drilling was located on the outskirts of downtown Lexington, but you've moved out to a, a new facility in the southeast part of Lexington in the industrial tract. And what led to that uh, move out this direction? Actually, it started when we came to town. We were uh, downtown, of course, had a limited amount of room, so we bought 18 acres out here in the uh, area where the uh, the farm equipment dealers are, and we'd stored materials and sometimes equipment out here and over time we developed the uh, ground and and uh, brought in several thousand cubic yards of dirt and kept working on uh, site uh, preparation with the ultimate goal of getting out here and and getting out of downtown what else do you want people to know about downey drilling and its future in the uh, nebraska and surrounding state area well i think uh, we've got a good group that uh, while some of us are fairly young. We've got a lot of experience under our belts. We span uh, uh, three generations, and that spans uh, 
six decades. Uh, we're always looking to get better every day, and we look forward to the future. We think water is going to be a uh, always is going to be a vital resource, whether we're in agriculture, whether we're in uh, residential or livestock. Uh, it's something, and certainly here in the middle of Nebraska, it's very, very important. We have a resource that is renewable due to our sand hills, due to the uh, North Platte River system. And we believe when uh, some areas of the country aren't able to irrigate here in the breadbasket of central Nebraska, it'll be very, very critical that we feed the world. Well, this Friday you'll be uh, celebrating your uh, relocation on the southeast part of Lexington with an open house. Correct. Yes, we're going to have open house customer appreciation uh, from 11 to 3 with uh, barbecue and all kinds of things and giveaways just to give the folks a chance to come out in between uh, irrigating and harvesting and maybe summer harvesting now. But hopefully uh, you get a chance to come out and have a little food and visit a little bit and register for prizes and and uh, see what we uh, have to offer, and and uh, hopefully all these things will uh, just build on the service that we've already established over the last uh, 12, 13 years. Tom Downey, he's president and CEO of Downey Drilling in Lexington, and I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, Lexington High School received some good news this week as the Central Conference yesterday voted 8-1 to to accept Lexington as its 10th member. The Central Conference was looking for a replacement of Central City, who left the league a year ago. Lexington also had been searching for a new conference after the future of the Greater Nebraska Athletic Conference became murky when Carney and Norfolk announced they were leaving. Athletic Director Phil Trek says this move gives Lexington some conference stability. This conference has been well established and been around for a long, long time. And um, Even when you talk to some of the legends of Lexington, like Mr. Ray Ehlers, and they've respected the Central Conference for a long, long time. And so... To get an opportunity like this, we were very fortunate, um, and we, we felt we needed to jump on it. Lexington had been a member of the GNAC since the mid-90s. This move will take effect for next school year. One of Nebraska's team leaders this year is senior kicker Drew Brown. He's commented the Huskers can put their early season struggles behind them and have success in the Big Ten. I mean, it helps being able to reflect from past experiences. Um, and whenever you go through something like this where you have, you know, not the start that you obviously want, um, it's those times that you can reflect on to push you through and um, just real or remember all the hard work that you've put in, not only to this season, but throughout your entire career. And, I mean, we've, we've lost games in the past, and um, we've been able to bounce back um, pretty well, and uh, we're looking to do that this week. And you will host Rutgers on Saturday at 2.30. From here on out, every time a hitter goes deep this year, it will extend a big league record. Kansas City outfielder Alex Gordon's solo shot in Toronto last night was the 5,694th home run of the season. That broke the mark set in 2000 at the height of the steroids era. Gordon says he didn't hit many this year, but he made that one count. Another baseball news, the Dodgers can clinch their fifth straight NL West title with a victory in Philadelphia and an Arizona loss in San Diego. Already assured of at least a wild card berth in the playoffs, L.A. has struggled this month. They've dropped three in a row and 19 out of their last 24. 
And with Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal at the Labor Cup Tennis Tournament this week, expectations are running high about the chance of seeing the two as doubles partners. The three-day competition kicks off on Friday. It pits a team of the best six European players against the top six from the rest of the world. The tournament is to honor Ron Labor, 11-time major champion, who won two calendar year Grand Slam. Federer and Nadal were clear about their choice of a possible partner. Federer said he would love to play with Nadal, while Nadal said it would be amazing to join Federer. Europe captain Bjorn Borg has yet to decide if that will happen. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clear skies in Nebraska tonight. Lows generally in the 50s, although a little warmer in the east. I'm Dave Schroeder. An administrator at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln says a school is going to focus on maintaining a growing enrollment despite a challenging higher education budget. Chancellor Ronnie Green presented his annual State of the University address yesterday. In his speech, Green highlighted successes and challenges that the school is facing. State lawmakers cut $13 million from the university system's biennial appropriation earlier this year helping create a nearly $50 million university budget shortfall. Green says the Lincoln campus will be required to cut $17 million over the next two years. Despite budget challenges, the university celebrated three consecutive years of growing enrollment, topping 26000 this year. Green says he has an aspirational goal of 32,500 students by the year 2025. A group in central Nebraska is looking for ways to reduce childhood poverty. The brainstorming session hosted Tuesday by the Heartland United Way yielded several ideas for Hall, Hamilton, Howard, and Merrick counties. Suggestions included increased access to public transportation and wireless Internet, access to quality, affordable child care, wellness programs for children and families, having expanded business education partnerships, providing safe and affordable housing, and having a one-stop shop where people can learn about available services. The categories were broad, but each included specific suggestions, such as having school-based wellness centers, providing free meals for all students, and planning neighborhood and urban gardens around schools. Tyson Foods says its plans to build a $320 million chicken processing plant near Tonganoxie, Kansas, are officially on hold. In a letter to media, Tyson Poultry President Doug Ramsey says the decision comes after the Leavenworth County Commission on Monday reversed its support of issuing $500 million in industrial revenue bonds to help finance the plant. The commission rescinded the resolution amid growing opposition to the plant from Leavenworth County residents. On Saturday, between 2,000 and 3,000 people attended a town hall and persuaded local legislators to oppose the plant. Replay the game, interview, or feature you miss by catching a podcast from the front page of KRVN.com. In the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Of course, there are many things to see and do at Husker Harvest Days. If you didn't get a chance to stop by the University of Nebraska building this year, they were focusing on strengthening Nebraska's rural economy. We had a chance to catch up with Jessica Groskopf. She's a regional economist out of the Panhandle Research and Extension Center. We chatted with her a little bit about grain marketing and also using crop insurance as a risk management tool. We first got her comments on how the university can help you with your grain marketing. 
Yeah, so this year we're really focused on farm management topics, and today we're talking about both crop insurance as well as grain marketing. So we're looking at different risk levels across the state by county, crop, and irrigation type. So that's really interesting as we look at the few maps that we brought here today to look and see how the southeast is different from the northwest and everything in between. And so we're looking at some of those differences, and then how do they affect our grain marketing strategies? You know, we're headed into kind of the harvest slump, like I like to call it. The, the markets are, are kind of settling into those harvest prices. So looking for those opportunities to do some marketing, but also then thinking forward to 2018, because before we know it, this crop will be in the bin and we'll be ready to market next year's crop as well. So how do we use crop insurance to um, pre-harvest market the 2018 crop and why we want to maintain that crop insurance despite the fact that we have suppressed commodity prices? Give us a good example of some of the differences and some that you're pointing out to folks at Stabai. Yeah, so we want to maintain that crop insurance because it allows us to, like I said, pre-harvest market. And when we have large ending stocks like we're seeing in all three of the major commodities, corn, soybeans, and winter wheat, that allows us to pre-harvest market earlier. So for example, in the corn market, when we have large ending stocks, we actually see the highest prices earlier in the year. Um, so we're talking like February or March rather than April or May. So before we even get that crop in the ground, we can go ahead and start pre-harvest marketing because we have that crop insurance payment that if we don't actually produce those bushels, we can do the buyback with our local elevators. And just like we've heard from a lot of our uh, congressional uh, folks in Washington, that uh, crop insurance is a great risk management tool, isn't it? Absolutely. So we want to talk to producers, make sure they understand how their crop insurance works and what protection level that they should be interested in looking at. Yeah. You're always watching the markets too. Give us your perspective on this year. It's kind of been a really up and down year. Kind of hard to, to pick the prices where you want to pull the trigger. You know, this is one of those years where as much as I would love to be pricing corn above $4, it, it, it really never gave us the opportunity. So that's when we come back to that marketing plan that we've written down and really looked and said, what do I have to have? And that's somewhere usually instead of above break even, we're talking above our cash flow price that we guaranteed our loan with with our banker. So yeah, we're in that $3 range, but for a lot of us, that's over our loan guarantee price that our banker wrote out for us. So we need to be proactive in marketing, especially as we head in uh, to this late fall. I know there's still some grain in the bin. We, we need to clean out those bins. I know it's a price you're not very excited about, but we've got to be thinking forward. The 17 crops got to go in the bin, and then we've got to start thinking about the 18 crop as well, which is also going to be in one of those high-ending stock scenarios. Definitely crunch time is here. Let's wrap up talking about the, the grain marketing app. How's it gone so far? Uh, the grain marketing app, if you if you haven't downloaded it, it's available on iTunes. Um, so that's iPhone and iPad. And um, it's a great opportunity for you to actually get that grain marketing plan written down. So when you go into the iTunes store, look for grain marketing plan, and it will pull up. And you can actually enter those grain marketing decisions, both price and date targets. So what happens is when you hit your price or you hit your date, the phone reminds you. So it's a great opportunity for producers to uh, get their wife to stop nagging them and have their phone nag them about making those sales. That's Jessica Groskopf. She's a regional economist out of the Panhandle Research and Extension Center for the University of Nebraska, visiting with us about crop insurance and grain marketing and what they were telling producers this past week at Husker Harvest Days. Here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. Now we're joined by Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities to give us a review of today's livestock futures, Joe. Yeah, it was pretty much a positive day. One exception, October hogs. But uh, really the uh, big leader was uh, over in the 
entire ca- cattle complex, which uh, saw some limits, but uh, unable to hold them right here at the end. But started out uh, kind of sluggish, and uh, but but advancing. And uh, uh, as the day progressed, we just saw more and more uh, buying. Uh, the auction was a little bit better, but uh, uh, the main feature really today was the funds. Big buyers in the uh, cattle complex didn't matter whether it was live cattle or feeder cattle. And I, I think a lot of it was helped uh, by the anticipation of a, uh, a friendly cattle on feed report, since uh, the uh, indications are that uh, placements will be rather light. So uh, all of that combined, uh, like I said, we did have, hit limit, but uh, did not manage to, to uh, close limit up on any contract, but sharply higher triple-digit gains right across the board in the uh, entire cattle complex. Now, over in the hogs, uh, the October hogs down uh, with a triple-digit loss, while the uh, rest of the months uh, actually finished just barely higher, but higher. Uh, so, obviously, uh, some uh, spreading going on and a lot of anticipation that uh, uh, we're coming up on a, on a seasonal low since we've uh, now switched the uh, back end to be higher than the nearby October. So, uh, interesting uh, copy day for uh, August. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, Dewey Nelson reporting. The opportunity to learn more about your rights as an employer. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. AFAN is hosting this Friday an employment law training. It'll take place in Lincoln at the venue restaurant. Now it runs from 1 until 4.30 and registration is still open. Emily Skillet is a Livestock Development Coordinator for the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska. And she talks about the importance of this event. So what this is, is it's an employment law training. So what we did is we reached out to a partner of ours, which is Rembold Lucky um, out of Lincoln. And we reached out to Mark Falsam. Um, he's a partner with the law firm, and he specifically focuses on employment and labor law. Um, and the reason we did that is because we see a lot of farmers have hired hands or in the livestock uh, barns, they have hired hands that help them with the chores. And we wanted to make sure that they knew um, some of the reasons that or things they should be looking for when hiring employees, what they should be aware of when they are going to fire an employee, um, just some of those labor laws that they need to be aware of, even immigration issues. Um, and so we really want our farmers to be really prepared and know what they need to deal with in, in the workforce. So a lot of really great hot topics that they're going to have to deal with on a, on a daily basis, especially if they're expanding that operation and bringing non-family members in. Absolutely, yes. Um, when we hire quote-unquote family members, um, things are a little bit easier. When we hire outside employees, we want to make sure that we're following all of the, the proper labor laws and making sure that we're getting the proper paperwork in and dealing with the, the taxes and all of those kinds of things. And this is a great way for those guys to, to understand what they are responsible for and what they need to be aware of when they when they handle that paperwork. What are some of the downfalls that we may have or things that we don't think about initially when we hire that person? So one of the downfalls is, is some of our farmers believe that maybe they don't have to buy liability insurance um, to cover their workers. Um, now they are, of course, liable for certain things. So we want to make sure that there's clear uh, direction as to where they go with, with those kinds of issues. Obviously, because heaven forbid there be an accident on the farm, they don't have the insurance Absolutely. in place and end up losing the farm just trying to pay off the bills. 
Right. We don't. We definitely do not want that to happen. So we want to make sure that everyone's clear on what they are responsible for. Now, the event's coming up this Friday. It's going to take place in Lincoln. Can they still register for the event? Absolutely. Yes, they can definitely still register. Um, if you would like to call in to RSVP to the event, it would uh, be to Lori Anderson. And you can either reach her at 402-421-4472, or you can send her an email at Lori, L-O-R-I-A, at a-fan.org. So I'm curious, why does AFAN look at this as an important topic to bring up to producers? Because you've already had one law training that took place in in August. Right. We wanted to make sure we held another one in case we had uh, certain farmers that weren't able to attend the first one. Um, so we had the first one in Columbus, and then the second one, of course, will be in Lincoln. Um, that kind of gives us a little bit of an opportunity to hit farmers in different regions of the state. Um, and like I said, there were just there was a lot of interest in the first one, and we wanted to make sure that we helped um, reach the farmers in this area of the state. Now, I understand that Mr. Folsom is going to have a resource toolkit that's available to those that attend? Absolutely, yep. There is a free uh, free toolkit that you'll be able to take with them that we'll talk about the different things that he focuses his his discussion on. Those comments with Emily Skillet from AFAN. Again, the employment law training this Friday in Lincoln. You can contact AFAN at 402-421-4472 for more details. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Looking at the big picture today, what was the emphasis on? Oh, well, I mean, not grains. Uh, cattle, I'm sure you've had some conversations about that. Um, just a big shift in, in livestock prices, I think, and grain traders looking to see how that's going to affect things. Uh, and then the uh, U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve announcement that happened over, 23 minutes ago, and we're starting to see the stock market fall, dollar really rally. So basically the shakeout, and I'm not, uh, you know, this isn't going to have a lot to do, I think, with short-term grain trading, but for the first time since, I think, going, we're going back decades now, the Fed's going to contract the balance sheet. So they've essentially been printing money for the last, you know, 10 years, uh, and they've been reinvesting this money that comes to due for maturity, which essentially keeps their balance sheets sideways. Now, they're not investing or printing more money. They're just reinvesting this old money back into the economy. They're going to start to try to take some of this money out of the economy, and they're going to start it in October. It's going to be a very small amount. It shouldn't really matter, but, you know, this stuff all trades on, on you know, where we think we'll be two to three years from now, and uh, you're going to see the dollar surge here. So we closed really strong on wheat, uh, really strong on the grains, and, and to see that the, gra- the, the grain markets correlated positively with the dollar is kind of a surprise, and that could be a good thing here as uh, the dollar rallies. Well, the corn trade looked pretty comfortable, trading within the range of that USDA report last week. Yeah, 350 is a good level. I mean, it's you're going to have a hard time being too bearish below that price. A couple of reasons. Obviously, there's good demand in ethanol margins and, and uh, feedlot uh, guys making money, chicken guys making money. The other reason, I think, is crop insurance. And you have, you know, guys up in this way. I'm not sure too much about the Nebraska area, but I'm sure some of the guys out there take high-rate high, uh, high rate crop insurance. I and mean, you're taking an 85% RP out this way, you're essentially at your crop insurance level. So I actually have some clients, and I'm not... You know, this isn't, uh, I don't think they're blasphemous. They actually think, price, they, they'd hope prices stay down here through November so they can get a government payout, and they're not selling their corn anyway. So it's, uh, 
uh, it's one of those weird things when you have uh, insurance like we do issued through the government tied into price. You get a little bit of, you know, I guess moral hazard, so to speak, in the markets. And I think uh, the longer prices stay down here, if we stay here through November, maybe dive into those 330 levels, you're getting insurance levels that are going to get paid out on corn. So I, I think we're somewhat close to a bottom. Do we, you know, we're going to see 340, maybe. But I would not be a seller here. I think you got to figure out a way to hold on and, uh, um, you know, fight, fight this thing into the beginning of the year. I think that's where the rally is going to come. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. For more information, go to DanielsAgMarketing.com or call 866-825-8561.